You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello, everyone, and happy Friday to you. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Good to have you aboard, and uh, going to have a good show for you today. Uh, going to have Steve Gardner on from USA Today, and uh, going to talk about his uh, labor auctions. Did a little bit of a, a labor review earlier in the week, but now we actually get to talk about it with somebody who was there. Uh, and I had a lot of questions, too, about some of the values, some of the winning bids. Steve can give us some context and some explanation. So really looking forward to having Steve on the show. Steve's never been on the show, so just very excited to have him here. Uh, also, going to do a segment later on looking at a bunch of players who are outside the top 380 piece. They're basically not being drafted in standard leagues, but maybe they should be. Uh, if nothing else, they're just they're really being undervalued. So I'm going to uh, go through that list a little bit later on. We've got some bullpen developments in St. Louis and Anaheim. We've got a whole bunch of Rangers news. And, of course, the big stories since yesterday's shows. Yesterday's show. I only did one show yesterday. The uh, homecomings. I guess you could call this homecoming weekend. Extending it a bit. Uh, for Mike Moustakis and for Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, the cargo deal is not finalized yet, but I guess it's it's all but finalized. They're just working uh, on the, the final details. Uh, but as far as Moustakis goes, he has re-signed with the Royals for uh, $5.5 million plus there's a $1 million buyout. So he's got $6.5 million guaranteed. And there's a mutual option for the 2019 season. That uh, first reported by Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports. Moustakis, uh, last year, setting uh, the Royals team record for home runs with 38. He batted 272. Uh, and he did it without being an extreme pole hitter, which was something that Moustakis was really known for earlier in, in his career. In fact, uh, I talked to him about it uh, right around the time when he was notably making a change in approach, and I, I was fortunate enough to be able to, to talk to him, and it was very much a conscious effort on his part, and it's really stuck. And I've talked uh, on this show various times about players uh, making big changes and how difficult it can be for uh, those changes to stick. Mustakis has made it stick. He's not really a, a pole hitter anymore. Pretty pretty neutral in that regard. Still hit 38 homers last year, but he did have one of the highest fly ball rates in his career, a 46% fly ball rate, which is pretty, uh, I'd say, yeah, pretty extreme, actually. Very high, to say the very least. And uh, according to Xstats, he actually, uh, given his uh, uh, all of his uh, measures in terms of launch angle, exit velocity, and all that, should have actually hit 27 home runs, far less, but also more in line with uh, some of his previous numbers. So, yeah, like this is basically a way of me coming around to say that I'm a bit skeptical of a repeat for Mike Moustakis. Um, I just am, you know, given that he's not pulling the ball as much. Um, and, and it's kind of like you have to have it one way or the other, that either... 
he's going to hit a lot of home runs, but he's probably not going to hit around 270. Or he's going to maybe he starts pulling more, or he has a, another extreme fly ball rate, um, or he's not going to hit for an average. Or you know he's going to hit for the average, but he's going to lose power. That's what I'm trying to say, and not saying it very well. So yeah, I've got some skepticism, and this is really incredible to me. Uh, looking at Mustakas's ADP on fan tracks, currently it's 130. In NFBC drafts, 127. So pretty much right in the middle, right in the middle rounds there. And of course, this is all, you know, all but entirely based on Mustakas being a free agent. So I have to wonder if people were being optimistic at thinking, well, wherever Mustakas lands, it's going to be a better environment than Kansas City. It's probably going to be a better ballpark. It's going to be a better lineup because he's being drafted well ahead of Kyle Seeger, Adrian Beltre, and way ahead of Eugenio Suarez. And if you project in that reduction of home runs and say he's going to hit maybe somewhere in the range of 25 to 30, I don't really see what makes Mike Moustakis a better fantasy third baseman than Suarez. I just don't. So maybe it's people putting more stock in the 38 home runs than I'm putting. Maybe, again, it, it was optimism about where Moustakis was going to land. Maybe thinking he was going to be a Yankee. I don't know. But uh, I do think he's being overvalued. And so to me, it will be very interesting to see what happens to his ADP uh, over the next week or so, uh, now that we know that he's going to be a Royal again. And then the other uh, signing that looks like it's about to happen, Carlos Gomez or Carlos Gonzalez, sorry about that, going back to the Rockies. Uh, again, no details on what that deal is going to look like. It's not finalized yet. Last year, uh, a very disappointing season for Gonzalez, uh, 262 batting average, which is 14 home runs. But Cargo's always been a way better hitter at Coors Field, as you would ex- as you would expect. Uh, the, the power was still down. He didn't even register a 200 ISO at home. So you figure if, if Cargo's not going to be putting up a 200 ISO at home, he's certainly not going to be putting up anything close to that on the road. But at home, his slash line was 323, 403, 520. That's still awfully nice. And if you figure that maybe he can rebound a little bit, you figure if nothing else, Cargo is somebody that you could you could stream into your lineup when he's playing at Coors Field. So there's there's a bit of a appeal there. Now on the other side of the equation, who's going to lose playing time? I've seen there there are three players that that seem to be clear candidates here: Ian Desmond, Gerardo Parra, and Ryan McMahon. And I think I've seen all three theorized as the big playing time losers by by different uh, different writers and different analysts. I'm guessing it's Para, uh, just because Ian Desmond, I think, you know, the contract probably would play something of a role there. All the things that I've read this this offseason that I've been sharing with you on the show seem to indicate that uh, Desmond is either going to be starting in the outfield or starting at first base. They're, you know, the, those were basically the, the options that were being considered. So I would think McMahon would actually have a better chance of losing his job, starting role anyway, than Desmond. But I don't think McMahon's going to. I mean, he's having a great spring so far. There have been plenty of reports out about him uh, getting a good look for that first base job. So I think the Para, to me, seems like the most likely 
odd man out in this situation. I mean, for one thing, he has spent a lot of his career as a fourth outfielder. I don't think that's a, you know, uh, I don't want to say a big change, but it's not out of step with the role that Parra's played uh, during many of the seasons in his career. And I just think, uh, you know, McMahon, uh, given the spring that he's having so far, unless he really winds up tanking, uh, I just I don't see what there would be for the Rockies to do to to send him back to AAA. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't see them putting Desmond in the bench role. So barring an injury or or just something unforeseen, I would guess that you're going to have an outfield of, of Desmond, Charlie Blackman, and Cargo with Ryan McMahon over at first base. But this is all speculation. I'm speculating just like everybody else is. So we'll, we'll see how that all, uh, how that all plays out. Uh, according to uh, John Heyman, uh, the angels are planning on going with Cam Bedrosian or I, 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 I probably stating this too strongly. So let me back this up a little bit. Uh, that, that Cam Bedrosian is Mike Sosha's most likely option as closer to begin the season. Uh, so that's it's a wide open situation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to have Steve Gardner on the show a little bit later on. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about Cam Bedrosian and the Angels' closer situation because he actually won Bedrosian uh, in the bidding uh, in in uh, AL Labor. So uh, I'm sure Steve has given this quite a bit of thought. Uh, last year, Bedrosian did get six saves in a what was just a fluid closer situation all year long for the Angels. Uh, he had a 27.9% strikeout rate, which is good, although certainly not a standout rate among closers. He had a 4.43 ERA, but he also had a 63% strand rate. So the ERA is definitely misleading. But um, I, I have some concerns here about Bedrosian, uh, even if he does start the year as the Angels' closer, and, and partly they have to do with him and the fact that his walk rate is is not exactly pristine, it's not horrible either, but again, when you're you're not striking out that much more than a, a batter per per inning, uh, you're not uh, you know Corey Knebel or or uh, Craig Kimball or, or Kenley Jansen in terms of a strikeout rate, and your walk rate isn't even you know at average, much less better than average. Then you could be vulnerable. And then you've got what appear to be the managerial tendencies of Mike Sosha, which is that. He doesn't seem to be terribly hung up on having a full-time closer. So this this news doesn't it maybe makes me just a shade more inclined to draft Cam Bedrosian, but it's pretty much a situation that I'm just avoiding if I can uh, at all. Uh, the Cardinals, they've already uh, announced. Mike Matheny has announced he's not going to start the season with the full-time closer. This is not terribly surprising. I talked about this situation a little bit on yesterday's show that Luke Gregerson has been deemed as the um, uh, the likely closer uh, in, in a lot of the, the reports uh, this spring, but he's never been named as the actual closer. Now he's dealing with an oblique issue, and uh, what Mike Matheny did tell the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch is that it's going to be some combination of Gregerson, Tyler Lyons, and Dominic Leone to start the season. And they, the Cardinals have a lot of options. I mean, they've got a really good deep bullpen. So, you know, I could see other relievers kind of getting into that mix as the season goes on, especially if maybe if, let's say, Gregerson 
the oblique thing uh, lingers for him, or if he's just you know not uh, terribly effective, uh, you know you, you've got other other relievers that can uh, step in. You know a Matt Bowman, a Sam Tuivalala, just you know a couple of names. Uh, Bud Norris closed a whole bunch last year for the Angels, so uh, you know I, I I do like Lions and Leone in um, slightly deeper leagues, not only for the saves potential. But just, you know, for the good ratios and lines in particular, he could maybe have some multiple inning uh, appearances that would uh, help uh, pad your your pitching staff's ratios a bit. But, um, you know, the problem here is that the, the Cardinals have so many good relievers that it's hard to just isolate one. I'd like to be able to just bear down on on. Uh, on Lions and just say, you know, I'm just going to target this guy as a closer and waiting. Uh, but it really could be, you know, could be Leon just as easily. So uh, anyhow, it's a, that's a tough situation. I don't really want to avoid it because there's, you know, some quality arms involved here. And Gregerson, too. I mean, if he's healthy and he can rebound from last year, and I think that he could, uh, you know, he could wind up getting the, uh, I was going to say Lions share, but I should say that for Lions, not for Gregerson. But you know what I'm saying. The bulk of the save opportunities, if he's if he's right. Anyhow, uh, check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate dynasty, keeper, or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-T trades, and play, uh, I'm sorry, plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set the league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party. So you don't have to track down owners for payment. Just enter the promo code AL, that's my name, of course, AL. Do that at the sign up. There's a little box at the bottom of the form for a promo code. Just got to type those two letters in there, AL. Uh, and what that does is that enters you for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me. That's a $109 value at almelchior.com. But here you're in a drawing to actually get that package of 10 consultations for absolutely free. So find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports. Check out Fantrax.com today. Okay, uh, let's get on to some other news items. A, a bunch of items for the, uh, the Rangers here. Uh, for one, according to John Heyman, Rangers are planning on going with a six-man rotation. And that kind of solves a little mystery because I had seen reports that Martin Perez might be ready for opening day, but I'd also seen reports that both Matt Bush and Mike Miner would be in the rotation. I thought, well, who's going to be the odd person out here? Well, Pierce, nobody. They're just going to go with uh, 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 a six-pack here of uh, Cole Hamels, uh, Perez, Doug Fister, Matt Moore, and uh, Miner and Bush. So this is really bad news for everybody. Unfortunately, and speaking of Cole Hamels, uh, he did something apparently he's never done before. According to the Dallas Morning News, he threw some sliders yesterday against the White Sox. The first time he ever threw that pitch in a game against major leaguers. And uh, so he's going to work that into his arsenal and he's going to try to use the four seamer more and the two seamer less. And he thinks that those moves are going to enable him to get more strikeouts this year. So that's great. Unfortunately, if he's pitching every sixth day it's sort of uh mike it cancels that out but uh anyhow some some developments there with with cole hamels and uh, also according to john Heyman, rangers uh could just send willie calhoun down to the minors he has options left 
and go with a platoon of Drew Robinson and Ryan Rua uh, in left field. So that'd be an interesting development. I personally would love to see Drew Robinson get a little bit more playing time, but then again, also like to see Willie Calhoun have a uh, full-time major league job. And Andrelson Simmons had an MRI on his left shoulder, revealed a, uh, a strain. And according to the Angels, he is day-to-day. He was hurt on a diving play yesterday. Uh, that report from the Orange County Register. And uh, just real quick, JT Realmuto was scratched today with a, a knee contusion. Only expected to be out for a day or so. And Ahmed Rosario is expected to return on Saturday and play shortstop against the Yankees. So... There's your news. Take a break. Come back with Steve Gardner. So do stick around for that. Be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior, and uh, we've got Steve Gardner in the house, so we'll get to him in just one moment. But first, let me just remind you that Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Fantasy Factor always has fun contests going. Right now, there's free entry, March Madness bracket, and a Sweet 16 bracket, and Fantasy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby this year. Simply sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com. So with no further delay, uh, with us from uh, USA Today and winner of uh, an SFSWA award, uh, Steve Gardner, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, Al, how are you doing? Uh, Well, I'm uh, fighting the flu here, actually. (laughs) But do it all right anyway. (laughs) <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm, I'm powering through the show here, uh, but uh, did it all right. And, uh, hope hope all is well there. Indeed, indeed, it's uh, it's a little chilly as it is uh, several places in the country, but we have baseball to look forward to, and it's it's getting close to opening day, and I'm excited about it. As am I. I can't wait. Uh, less than three weeks away from uh, opening day. We got uh, Tout Wars coming up in in about a week, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and you're uh, still pretty fresh off of labor. You were uh, you participated in both the AL and the NL auctions. I did a review on the show here on Monday, right afterwards, and then there were some some winning bids that I found sort of curious. And I thought, you know, if only I could talk to somebody who was actually involved in the auctions uh, to get uh-huh. some insight. And so here we are. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, absolutely, Steve. So your your timing is awesome. So I, I do want to uh, also talk about your teams, but uh, before I get into that, you know, just to talk about a few of the the players and the bids uh, it took to win them. Aaron Judge going to Larry Schechter in the AL uh, for twenty six dollars. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that uh, it wasn't a little bit higher, a little closer to 30 for Aaron Judge. Was that one that was tossed out a little bit late or just uh, a, a room that just wasn't uh, that eager to, to go the extra dollar on Judge? It, it was interesting because uh, Judge came out, was one of the first 15 players out. And um, pe- people had already spent on Mike Trout, who went for 42, and Jose Altuve, 39. You know, Mookie Betts was uh, was already off the board, Giancarlo Stanton. So, you know, there was a lot of money spent fairly early in the draft. And then I think it was just one of those lulls where, okay, we know Aaron Judge is a power hitter. We think there's going to be a lot of power available throughout the draft. And so the bidding just inexplicably stopped. A couple of those did that, um, especially early. Judge, I thought, was one at 26, and Shohei Otani at 18. Uh, those were kind of surprising to me, to tell you the truth. Now, it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned Otani, because uh, I feel like he's, and now I would say 18 in an uh, AL only is you know definitely not an overpay, but given that uh, he may not pitch more than 160 innings, and I see you're obviously talking about pitcher Otani, um, you know, it, I'm just surprised at the level of enthusiasm. For him. Yeah, it's it's the fact that he's got you know such a great repertoire, and even I think in in this day and age where we're seeing fewer and fewer starting pitchers go deep into games, that quality innings is what you're looking for out of starting pitching, and you can build you know boost the innings totals from middle relievers and and uh, you know spot starts and things like that. So I think that's where he becomes a big factor. You got guys that are kind of on the disabled list a, a lot, a Rich Hill kind of guys. I, I think those players are going to be worth more, relatively speaking, um, now with, with starting pitchers not pitching as many innings. So um, that, obviously we don't know what to expect from him, but um, from all indications, you know, he's a very, very good pitcher, and uh, I think we'll see that throughout the course of the season. And then the, uh, you know, the flexibility to use him as a hitter if you want is, is a bonus. Uh, true, true. Uh, I thought the third base bidding was, was also very interesting. Uh, Jose Ramirez, I thought, was a bit of a, a, a value at 28. And then Joey Gallo went for the same amount. And Nick Castellanos went for 25. So, uh, again, you were in the room. Any insight in terms of uh, why there wasn't a little more separation there? Um, yeah, good question on Ramirez. I, I think he certainly deserves to be po- probably into that uh, $30 range, but he was the fourth player nominated. So again, you get that, that kind of, are you going to make a move early and, you know, and, and put yourself, you know, down a, a lot of money? when everybody else has a whole bunch, or you're going to wait. I think for the folks that waited, that corner infield spot, we, we had just taken a break, and this was probably uh, halfway to two-thirds of the way through the, through the auction. We took a break. We came back. People had a chance to look at, you know, uh, take a couple of seconds to look at their rosters and the holes that they needed and who was available. And Joey Gallo was by far the best player available at that particular time, and the fact that he could be a first baseman or a third baseman and slot at either of those spots or a corner infield spot, we got into a, a little bit of a bidding war there, and that's what drove Gallo's price up uh, as high as it was. 
It, uh, he and, and Matt Chapman were another guy. Matt Chapman went for $22 right after Joey Gallo was put up for bid. So those wow. guys, it's, it's completely, you know, people look at the, at the prices and can draw some conclusions and say, wow, he was overpriced or he was underpriced. But the draft dynamics, you hit it out. That's a big part of what these players go for. And at that point in the draft, people had some money to spend. They had a position that they needed, and Gallo was the best guy available. And so that's why the price went probably, what, six, maybe eight dollars more than what he normally would have gone if he'd been out you know, earlier in the draft. Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, and I suspected it was something like that. And, and it's a good lesson in terms of when you look at these uh, expert auctions and things don't necessarily match up with what you expect. There's, there's usually a pretty good explanation for it. Yep, and, uh, and Castellanos was kind of early as well, and uh, he'd just gone after Nelson Cruz, who was 26, and um, so maybe the room was, was a little bit reluctant to uh, start getting into another spending spree. So, you know, every auction's different, but maybe there's a little bit of a lesson here in terms of, you know, nominating or, or getting into bidding early uh, to maybe see if you can get a, get a little bit of a value there. Yep, definitely. Uh, That's why a lot of people like to throw out guys that maybe they don't want early and and hope that others <laughs> spend their money. Yep, yep. Uh, one of the more uh, surprising bids to me in the NL auction was Manny Margot going for $25, uh, you know, almost really part of the same tier with guys like Christian Yelich and, and Starling Marte. Um, was that surprising to you? And again, was there a, a sort of a compelling explanation as to the, the draft dynamics there? The interesting thing about that is that I think most people in the room knew that Eric Carabell of ESPN is a big Margot fan, and uh, he has talked about him on his podcast. Um, we know he, he got him, I think, uh, in last year's NL Labor Draft, so we know that he likes Margot and thinks that he's going to be you know, a very good you know, power-steel combination guy, and he was later in the draft. People were looking for speed, and obviously Margot has that capability of, of being a, a big star and base guy. Steals this year are something that we need to watch. And I think uh, even from the start of the draft or an auction, you've got to be cognizant where the steal sources are because there aren't that many of them. And um, if you're going to build incrementally, you need to be thinking about it throughout the whole draft. And later on in the draft, when people started to recognize, oh, gee, you know, my, my steal totals are, are, are very small at this point and I need somebody, that's when the bidding for Margot kind of got a little uh, got a little heated, and Eric had the most money I think of anybody at that time, and was able to use that model to get a guy that he really liked. So, uh, so maybe earlier it would have gone for you know he would have gone for a few few dollars less, but um, that's the price that was needed to win him that time. So really, it was just a perfect storm for a big price there uh, between yeah. Eric liking him and then having the money and, and the timing and such, and then for the same price. You got Corey Seager, uh, which looked like one of the great bargains uh, of the auction. So how, were you uh, surprised when the, uh, when the gavel went and you got him for $25? Yes, I was, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, the, the only thing, you know, maybe people were, were looking at um, you know, the elbow injury that plagued him during the playoffs last year. You know, he missed the NLCS. He still hasn't yet returned to the field. He's been DHing so far this spring. But, you know, after Trey Turner went for 43, um, and Corey Seager was one of those that came out early as well, 
it went to 24, and, and, and I was at 25, and may have gone, you know, to 27 or, or a little bit higher if needed, but that's where the bidding stopped, and uh, certainly as long as there are no uh, issues with that elbow, that's a, that's a great price for me and a great way to get started. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, in bo- go, go, looking at your team specifically, in uh, both your AL team and your NL team, your most expensive pitcher was a reliever. In the AL, you got uh, Chapman. In the NL, you got Rivero. Um, and with, with so many people, and you pointed out, Steve, that uh, you know the, the number of reliable innings-eating starters is, is dwindling and dwindling. Um, most people are taking the opposite tack, and they're really trying to target those uh, – elite starters, but of course there are only so many to go around. So was this a conscious choice on your part to put more of an emphasis on relievers? You know, that's that's kind of, I think, was one of the keys to me winning both of these leagues last year, was getting that ace for a relatively low price. I mean, Corey Kluber last year in the AL and Max Scherzer in the NL were the guys that I kind of uh, established as my cornerstones of the rotation. Those guys went for, for $10 more each this season, and um, I, I was wary of getting into the mix and bidding on those guys, and so I held back and ended up, yeah, that's the closers, you know, are still extremely valuable and because I had to maybe back off a little bit like you were saying uh, uh, Dallas Keuchel and Matsuhiro Tanaka were my pitchers in the AL and in the, in the NL um, the guys that I built the staff around were um, let's see it was John Lester and and Johnny Cueto I think was my second starter so not not great by any means but what I did to counter that was to try and get kind of an elite closer with good ratios and and high strikeout totals and that's what I did with with Felipe Rivero um, didn't go in for Jansen but um, <laughs> I, I got who I thought was maybe the second best closer in the NL and uh, that's how I'm hoping to kind of build that staff if I couldn't get an ace to hang my hat on to get um, you know some decent starters and get that uh, punch from the closer. Yeah, well, it certainly makes makes a lot of sense. And speaking of closers, and I talked about him earlier on in the show, Cam Bedrosian, uh, according to John Heyman, is going in as the front runner to be the closer for the Angels. Um, Angels didn't really settle on a closer all season long in 2017. You got him for $2, so very little risk there. But what are your expectations of what you'll actually get from Cam Bedrosian this year? It's it's a uh, could be almost anything to tell you the truth. You know the injuries have been such a huge factor for him. When he's been healthy, he's been outstanding, and I think he could be one of those lockdown kinds of closers. But it's just the fact that something always seems to happen, and uh, he ends up going on the disabled list. So Blake Parker, I think, was the guy that that uh, most people it seemed like felt like would uh, would have that job coming out of spring training. He went for thirteen dollars in the uh, in the AL labor draft. So um, getting getting Bedrosian, you know, again one of those guys I think can give me solid ratios and can give me a decent strikeout rate and hopefully bolster that um, you know the starting pitchers that I that I didn't get, you know, uh, the aces that I would have liked to have had but didn't get. Yeah, well, you know, for two dollars, uh, it's going to be pretty much either a plus or a wash. I think so. Uh, yeah, uh, think, you know, that's a, a, a good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then over in your NL auction, uh, you bid five and and one, Mike Mustakis. Um, so nice price, but unfortunately, uh, turns out the wrong league. So, uh, what's your plan going forward uh, to fill that corner infield slot? 
Well, one of the things that I liked about uh, Carlos uh, or Jose Martinez of, of the St. Louis Cardinals is the fact that he's eligible at the outfield and also at first base. And uh, we don't know exactly because uh, of what Matt Carpenter's health is going to be or what Mike Matheny's plans are at this point, but he's still going to get, I think, you know, some playing time, decent amount of playing time. The, um, the hard-hit ball uh, stats from last year, hard contact stats, are really, really good for Martinez, and he deserves to get an opportunity to play. So I'm feeling pretty confident about him. I got him knowing that he did have that uh, corner infield and outfield eligibility. So even if Mustakas didn't sign in the National League, I could move him to corner and I could have another outfielder move in. Uh, it looks like Ben Revere maybe could be the uh, the guy that slots into that outfield spot. But always it's nice to have in the reserve rounds guys that you can plug in immediately if you've got a, a player who's injured or who might uh, be risk, at risk getting sent to the minors. Those reserve rounds are, are really important in labor because they're the, the only guys that you can freely move back and forth from active to reserve during the season. So uh, I think I'm okay. Um, I may have to, to roll with a, a Harrison Bader or somebody like that, but um, uh, I, I, th- I think I'm going to be in, in decent shape, even though you know Mustakas cost me $5. I think that was kind of a gamble that was worth it. Yeah, no, it could have paid off, uh, you know, in a big way <laughs> if he had just wound up someplace else. And, and, you know, who thought he was going to be back in Kansas City? I mean, I don't know that there were very many people who expected that. So I, I certainly didn't. And you mentioned nope. Jose Martinez. You know, I like the $8 price on him. Same amount that you paid for Victor Robles. And for $2 more, you got Scott Shebler. And, I, you know, I thought, saw this as an interesting trio. Because Shebler's in that outfield rotation in Cincinnati. Martinez, like you said, he's got the skills, but does he have the, the opportunity? There's a bit of risk-reward going on with Martinez. And Robles, you know, just a question of when and if he comes up. But of those three similarly priced outfielders, which one do you actually think is going to give you the most return? I think probably Shebler, just because we, we know his role uh, more certain than the other two. However, the thing with Victor Robles is he was a great, uh, at least for me, he fit exactly what I needed late in the draft. I had $8 was my max bid at the time, so I kind of froze myself out about getting you know any other $2 players um, for the last uh, couple of roster spots that I had. But the fact that I needed speed, speed as we were talking earlier, you know, it, it's such a scarce commodity these days, and Robles has that. And, and I think if he does get a chance, we see in spring training, you know, Adam Eaton, not 100% quite yet. Uh, Michael A. Taylor, dealing with a little bit of an oblique injury here in spring training. So the door may be ajar for Victor Robles. And as we saw with, like, Cody Bellinger last year, super talented players, even if they don't seem to have a spot to play, if they get an opportunity, they can put themselves in the lineup and not let go. And uh, I think Victor Robles has that kind of talent. And uh, if he does find a spot and gets 300, 400 at-bats, that's going to be my best bargain. Yeah, well, I would think so, too. So, well, Steve, we're out of time here, but I'm really glad that you took the time to come on. I wish you the best of luck and uh, looking forward to seeing you in about a week or so. All right. Thanks, Al. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, have fun at Talent Wars. <laughs> All right, I, I plan on it. So, well, Steve Gardner, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, folks, we'll be right back after the break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. are back. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior, and that was a fun segment. want to thank Steve Gardner coming and joining us. Uh, check out his great work over at USA Today, um, and uh, hopefully uh, have him back on again soon. That was the first time I've had Steve on the show. Hopefully not the last. Uh, really enjoyed that a lot, and uh, good to get some uh, explanations as to what was happening there uh, at Labor. Uh, so I've got... Uh, couple of news items to get to. I've got the uh, off-the-radar players that I want to uh, talk about. Uh, but first, uh, just be sure to catch the DKMS 2018 March Madness Special. It is this coming Monday, March 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network with, co- with host Craig Carton. Get the edge on filling out your bracket with analysis from Greg Sussman, Mike Blewett, and special guest Yahoo's Brad Evans. And if you're looking to make some money, Gabe Mornsey and Blackjack Fletcher will line your pockets. The broadcast will be simulcast on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube live, live page. Uh, it's the DKMS 2018 March Madness Special. And again, that's Monday, March 12th. It's 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, and it's right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So those uh, news items I did not get to back in the first segment. Evan Longoria was scratched uh, from game today with a sore heel. I don't have any other information uh, other than that, Uh, but uh, we'll uh, certainly keep you posted on that. And that uh, comes from uh, Andrew Baggerly uh, via his uh, Twitter account. And... um, Andrew with The Athletic now. It's hard to keep up sometimes with uh, a lot of folks uh, going to The Athletic. Uh, so I want to make sure I got the right affiliation there. And also, uh, just actually as the show was ending yesterday, uh, there was news coming across that Javier Baez was removed uh, early from the Cubs game yesterday. Turns out he had uh, some hamstring cramping. And he initially said uh, that it was due to some dehydration, but there's been now a more recent report that the hamstring is still bothering Baez. So uh, that is certainly one that we'll need to, uh, uh, one situation we'll need to uh, monitor. And that most recent report is from uh, MLB.com. So uh, Baez and and Longoria got to uh, keep our eyes on their uh, health status as we go forward. So, uh, as I mentioned before, I've compiled a list of players who are they're outside, in some cases, way outside the top 300 in ADP. And these are all players that, that I think should be drafted, or at least could be drafted, in a standard mixed league. And uh, at the very least, even if you're talking about you know maybe 14, 15 team mixed league, they're, they're going much later than they need to be. 
So uh, if, if you're looking for some players to add to your late-round sleeper list and, and say, a 12-teamer, uh, these are players to consider in a 14 or 15-teamer or something deeper. Uh, these might be, you know, good late fallback options for you because you apparently don't have to, you know, uh, go out early uh, for these players uh, based on the ADP. So uh, I'll go uh, position by position here. A couple of catchers. Alex Avila, I, this is really quite amazing to me. He His ADP is 386. These are uh, Fantrax ADPs, by the way which puts him in 29th place among catchers in ADP. So he's not even making the cut in two catcher leagues. And I just don't get it. Um, and maybe I kind of get it because maybe there's some humidor uh, discounting going on there. I know there was – It's my recollection is that there was some skepticism about what Avila did last season. And if you were a skeptic about what he did with the Tigers – it was that skepticism was somewhat confirmed then when he went to the Cubs when his numbers did drop off a bit. But you know, if, if you're thinking, well, okay, the numbers were inflated because uh, Tiger or, or uh, Comerica Park was a uh, you know an especially good home environment last year. His numbers were on the road were were quite good, whether it was with the Tigers or the Cubs. So I, you know, does he deserve some humidor discount? Sure. But given that, he's going to be the Diamondbacks' primary catcher. And, um, you know, Coley plays half the games at Chase Field, and it still remains to be seen exactly what that impact is going to be. I just think that's that's incredibly late for Alex Avila. And a little past him in ADP, Manny Pena at 408 uh, for his ADP. He's 31st among catchers. And as I... Shared on the show a few days ago, it appears he's going to be the primary catcher for the Brewers. And it might be close to a, an even split with uh, Steven Voter or Jet, Jet Bandy. But he's just, he's, he's a pretty good hitter, Pina. I think even if, uh, you know, it was like a 55-45 split, he should be getting drafted, you know, not outside the top 400 and probably not even outside the top 300. When I had Andrew Perpetua on the show a couple weeks back, and we talked about his site, his site uh, xstats.org, and one of the, the metrics on there is value hits. Balls that are, are hit hard enough and with uh, the, the appropriate launch angle that they're very likely to be extra base hits. Manny Pena last year had a 7.2% value hit rate, which is really good. So, you know, I, I definitely buy into uh, him being a, a pretty good power source. Playing in Miller Park certainly isn't going to hurt that. He's being very underdrafted. Now, I didn't see any first baseman that looked like they were being radically underdrafted. But at second base, Logan Forsythe, this was somebody that very, very early on when I was doing my offseason research, I thought this is somebody who's going to, you know, could be a bargain. I have yet to draft him. <laughs> and uh, I think probably by the time I'm done, that's not going to be the case. And actually, I'm sorry, and I think about it, I did draft him in one league. But, um, you know, I, I hopefully I'll, I'll be rostering him again because uh, last year was clearly a, a down year for him. Missed time with injury, and when he did play, the numbers were, were down. Uh, so you know, there's a little bit of maybe uh, health risk in there for, for Forsyth. But a really encouraging thing is that uh, 
when he did make contact, he was hitting with just as much power as he did the year before when he hit 20 home runs. The thing is that Forsythe, who has always been a very selective hitter, really did not swing much last year. I mean, he's usually in like the 39-40% range, which is really low. His swing rate last year was 32.5%. I mean, he just did not swing the bat last year. But we saw sort of a similar thing with Todd Frazier. And so if I'm going to give Todd Frazier the benefit of the doubt and say, he looks fine for a bounce-back season, I certainly believe the same thing is true for Logan Forsythe. His ADP is 369. That's 29th at second base. Uh, and that's a position where there's not a lot of really great fallback options late. So you should be looking for Logan Forsythe uh, if you need to fill in a middle infield slot or something or a, a bench spot late in a draft. Uh, I think he could have a, a really nice bounce-back season. He's being drafted well behind Starlin Castro and Jan Harvest Solarte, and I would be glad to wager something that he's going to have a better season than either of those guys. This is not just a cheap ploy to see if I can get Nando DeFino to drop in on the show. But Jed Jerko is being really underdrafted. He's got an ADP of 333. That's 29th among third base eligible players. And, um, you know, it's kind of a catch 22 because uh, people. Are it works. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel Castro started today, Al. How'd he do? I don't know. I didn't look. I just saw Brittany Garoli's tweet this morning. All right, well, hold on, Frank's in seven minutes, I will go check the box score. <laughs> Three innings, one earned run, Al. Ah, pretty nice. That's pretty what we're nice. looking for. Yeah. All right. All right, sorry, you just heard so my Jed name. So, Jerko. Yeah. 333 ADP, Nando. It's low. But you know what? This happened, like, two years ago before he blew up, when everyone had given up on him because they thought he was going to be a bench player slash platoon. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then he blew up, obviously. So, I don't yeah. see why we're, we're doubting him right now. I don't either. I mean, it's it seems silly to me that he's uh, outside the top 300 uh, coming off a season with, I think he hit 20 homers last year, which was down from the year before. But uh, in, unless he really loses a lot of playing time because of, uh, you know, Jose Martinez or whatever, uh, you know, I think he could pencil him in for another 20 and, uh, and some good run production. I'll go, I'll go 25, Al. I, 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 I'm... I fully expected that. But I just like a guy, you know, plays all the time the last two seasons and has had success. And just all of a sudden, people are starting rumors that he's not going to play because of what Colton people Wong. People like me. Yeah, exactly, Al. <laughs> Artificially lowering value so you can get him everywhere. Exactly. I have not drafted Judd Jerko yet. A lot of the names on this list um, really surprised me that, uh, you know, these guys are just so off the radar. Well, we did a we did a when I was subbing BFFs last week. Uh, we did guys between three fifty and three seventy, and like that's a, that's at least twelve guys in that group. You could probably grab in an auction and feel good about having as, as a somewhat of a base of your team. And I wish I had the list in front wow. of me. Wow, yeah, I can see that. And now and now I'm realizing I'm doing something that's completely unoriginal. But that's no, okay. not, no, Al, come on. <laughs> it's not. You had no way of knowing. This is why we get along. That's right. Because that's we right. think similar synergy here. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, it really wasn't a ploy to get you to come on the show. I'm glad that it, it worked anyway. Uh, I got a few more names to get to. I also need to uh, talk a little bit about DKMS. Every three minutes, an American is diagnosed with blood cancer. 
Unfortunately, only 30% of patients are able to find a compatible uh, bone marrow donor within their own family. But that's how you can help. Go to dkms.org slash FNTSY today and sign up online to register as a donor. DKMS will send you a swab kit. It takes legitimately just one minute to do. You swab each of your cheeks, and then you send it back to them. That's it. You're done. DKMS will then try and match you up with a person in need of a donation. The process is easy, and best of all, you can actually save somebody's life. It's not a metaphor. It's literally save somebody's life. Check out dkms.org slash FNTSY to see how, the, how you can help. Uh, now, do you want to come back for the, the rest of the uh, off-the-radar guys? Yeah, I think Florio tried to mute me, but I said, no, I think Al wants me to come back. <laughs> so, okay, I know you're a jealous. Man, but... He gets jealous. He's on, he's on one day, and he's like, no one else can ever be on again. Oh. I know. I know. Dirty. Well, if you want to jump on, too, you know, that's cool. Only one mic here, Al. Let's not, let's not just have everyone on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike Florio's the only mic there? Uh, well, Cardano was here. He's gone. Uh, yeah, sorry. So Jack Peterson, yeah. 362 ADP. This is the year I've, I've uh, decided not to like him anymore, I think. <laughs> well, you got a lot of company. Yeah, I guess so. Like, it's, I don't want to be the cool guy. I'm supposed to be counterculture. But, uh, yeah, I don't, it's, I've had so much faith in him, and I just kind of, I'm kind of sick of him, if that makes sense. Sick of believing. No, I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, I, the best case scenario looks like a platoon with, with Matt Kemp. But it's the better side of the platoon. He's still a relatively young guy. Two years removed uh, from being, you know, good on base, good power. Just seems like somebody you could take a flyer on, you know, with pick 260 or something. And, you know, may, and maybe he breaks out. I think there are so many other players I'd rather take a flyer on, even in that, like, within the next 10 above or below, where, I mean, he could fall into a platoon. He could do the 3-2 outcomes again. And if you're playing in a non-OBP league, I guess you can bank on the runs if he's going to get on base. Um, and I guess runs batted in because that's their philosophy and he could knock some people in. But um, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I feel like you can get a, a two twenty three average and 27 home runs from someone else. Well, okay. So Jack Peterson or Derek Fisher, who's being drafted 15 spots later? Not there. I, I, I'm banking more on Jack Peterson's playing time. How about that? Than Derek yeah, I Fisher's. Think it's good. I think it could be very similar because, again, there were the reports that Fisher's going to get at least uh, 400 plate appearances. Uh, I think that's probably 400 to 450 is a good projection for Peterson. So I think they'll be pretty even as far as that goes. You're saying and I think, Fisher? And I think Fisher will hit for a higher average, too. Yeah, I think, well, that, I mean, that's, I don't believe in Peterson's average anymore. I think he's the, you get him yeah. if you like on base percentage. If you're in, say, for instance, All right, well, we only got two minutes. I'm sorry not that I cut you off. Not to, we've only got two minutes left. Um, I love Franchi Cordero. He's barely inside the top 600. Please draft him. And then uh, two pitchers that got on my list. Jake Junis, 354 ADP, and Tyler Anderson, 401, both outside the top 100 for pitchers. Uh, do you like either of them? No, I find them both uninspiring. Uh, Junis was always like at the top of the free agent search last year for AL Tout, and I, I actually dug deep on him a lot because I'm like, he keeps showing up. And I'm supposed to like him, and there's just nothing there that I really liked. So, not really. I'm sorry, Al. That's okay. It's you know, it's my list. Not yeah. everybody has to like it. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll just say uh, as my last comment for the week, 
that uh, Anderson two years ago had a really uh, good ground ball rate. Last year, he got a lot of swings and misses. He had a brief stretch before he had knee surgery where he put those two things together. He was totally dominant. If he's healthy this year, I think he could be a huge surprise and in a good way. People in our Scorchy League uh, were bemoaning him getting sniped. Like four people were upset they didn't get Franchi Cordero. <laughs> so there is some demand for him somewhere. That's good. Well, Nando, thank you for joining us. As always, Al. Say my name three times and I show up on your show. Nando, Nando, Nando. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a... Now I'm coughing. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you.